0: I have feeling that everybody has the potential to, dis- to disappoint you and to do you wrong. And because I know that, it's actually a freedom. And it's like, you know, if they end up doing me wrong, that's that's a bigger problem for them.
1: T minus 10 seconds. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five four three two
0: one.
1: Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch Podcast. If you're new around here, you're a journeyer. A journeyer is someone on the path to financial freedom and financial independence with me. So if you're a listener, OG listener, meaning you've been listening for a long time or you just started, when I say, "Hey, hey, hey journeyers, I'm talking to you." And I'm so excited that you are joining me today and whenever you're listening. So this episode if you're listening to this in real time, drops right after the new year. But even if you don't listen in real time, this information will be relevant. What I do want to do after the interview, so this will be an interview episode, you'll hear my guest Arlen Hamilton in a bit, is I want to come back and share some reflection questions that may be helpful to you as you start the new year. It's going to be things that I'm going to be reflecting on and answering for myself, and I thought it would be useful, and I'll give a bit of updates on what's been going on. My book, Your Journey to Financial Freedom, (laughs) is out in the world. It's been out for a few weeks now. And it is my love letter, my financial life love letter to people who want to achieve more freedom and more happiness in their life right now. No matter your starting point, it's available wherever books are sold. You can go to yourjourneytofinancialfreedom.com to get your book, but you can get it on Amazon, bookshop.org, Target, your local bookstore. I'm going to share a little bit more about the launch and the book after the interview. So let's jump right into the interview with Arlen. By the way, I'm actually recording this video. So if you are on my YouTube channel, you'll see the introduction. I'm recording it on screen. I usually don't do this, but I got my makeup done. (laughs) I had a interview today. And so I'm like, you know what, just record the video. And so here we are. This is what I'm doing. If If you guys like it, maybe I'll do more on screen videos or solo episodes. So let me know You can watch that on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash journey to launch. All right, let's get into the interview. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Also, whether you are an OG journeyer or brand new to the podcast, I've created a free jumpstart guide to help you on your financial freedom journey. It includes the top episodes to listen to, stages to go through to reach financial freedom, resources, and so much more. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your guide right now. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Hey, 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 journeyers. I have a special Most requested. I'm going to say most requested because maybe it's just me. I wanted you back (laughs) and you're here. Guest back on the podcast. We have the Arlen Hamilton on the podcast. She's been on the podcast before, but she is the founder of Backstage Capital and HireRunner.co. She's a serial entrepreneur, author, and master multitasker. I must say that's true. I see you always doing so much, Arlen. I don't know how you do it. She founded Backstage Capital in 2015 to invest in founders who are people of color, women, and LGBTQ. She published her first book, It's About Damn Time, in 2020, detailing her journey from homelessness to venture capital trailblazer. She has a new book coming out called Your First Million, Why You Don't Have to Be Born into a Legacy of Wealth to Leave One Behind, That will be out on January 2nd, 2024. So I want to welcome Arlen back on the podcast. Hi, Arlen. Hi, thank you for having me again. Yes. Okay, so I feel like the title of your new book, Your First Million, Why You Don't Have to Be Born Into a Legacy of Wealth to Leave One Behind is so on brand (laughs) for what my audience loves to hear about. Because so many of us do not start out with a head start when it comes to assets, physical assets or, you know, dollars in assets. And we have to build it. We have to create it. So please let me know in terms of the book itself, this new one that you have coming out, the overarching, I would say, biggest takeaway that you want people to know. And then we can hop into some goodies.
0: As simple as it may seem. The biggest takeaway I want people to understand is that I called it Your First Million for a reason, and it's because 99.9% of the people who read the book, people who are hearing this right now, what I've learned over the past decade is that you can be a millionaire. And that I say it's simple because I talk to, I don't know, I want to say... Dozens per week, so maybe hundreds per per month, thousands per year, entrepreneurs or career professionals who their mindset isn't even there. Either they have this distorted view of what being rich looks like, or they don't believe that it's for them. They don't believe that they can be wealthy or even okay. And so that mindset shift. is the biggest part of it. And I've also learned that it can be taught the skills and the steps necessary to generate revenue, income, create those opportunities for yourself that can be taught if you're willing. So if you know that, if you believe me and you believe that it can be taught, then you have to back into the, oh, it can be me. It's not someone next to you necessarily.
1: How does one know if they have a mindset issue, right? Because someone could be listening to this and not know that it's mindset. They can say, well, I just don't have the resources or the education to do that thing. Whatever it is, there's there's not a uh, self-understanding yet that it's mindset. So how can one know or have an indication that it's really mindset that's preventing them from moving forward and not something else? I
0: think it's in the same category as the imposter syndrome that we talk about so often where we're constantly asking ourselves, some of us, many of us are constantly asking ourselves, do I belong here? Can I do this job? Well, am I supposed to be here? Did I get this promotion on purpose uh, or did it, did it s- somehow did I sneak in? Am I supposed to be in the room? Am I smart enough? All those questions that, we unfortunately ask ourselves and I say that we just don't have time for imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it pulls from the same thread, which is because my belief is that 99.9% of us can have millions if we want it. it. It's not easy. It's not an overnight success. It's not a magic potion. It does take time and strategy and commitment. But because I believe we can each get there, if you do not believe you can, I believe it's a mindset issue. I don't know if there's a special way to to realize if you have that mindset issue. I just believe that it it is a mindset issue for anyone who does not believe that they can. Because I think one thing to understand is I have been in a lot of places that some people listening to this have been. So I know what it feels like to be literally hungry and not know where your next meal is going to come from. I know what it feels like to not have an address or to have to ask your friends or not have to, but to ask your friends for help who are your same age and you feel like you should be further along than you are. Or to think if I can only get in the room with this one person, that would change my life and then everything would be okay. Or to think it has to be more than this, than working at this nine to five and not feeling like there's anywhere for me to go and watching everybody else, you know, in positions I want to be in. I know what that feels like. And so there's just, there's another gear that we have to put ourselves in or to get ourselves in. And so that's what I talk about the book. I mean, that's why it's not a, a blog post or a reel. It's an entire book that introduce, introduces the idea of, This is why you belong where you belong. This is why you can go further than you think you can.
1: You brought up something a little earlier about the view of being rich or wealthy. And so I do want to define that a bit. And what do you mean when you say you're a first million or when you think of a millionaire? Because you've been around now millionaires, you're a millionaire. But I think for some people, you know, is it being a millionaire in assets? Is it being a millionaire in income? Yeah, so... You know that my book is not called Becoming a Millionaire.
0: Mm-hmm. My book is called Your First Million. It's my podcast name that I encourage people to check out. And it's the name of my live event that's coming up soon, Your First Million Live. And it's very specific because I'm not talking about necessarily you becoming a millionaire. I have um, a one-hour video that if you go to arlensfirstmillion.com, a-R-L-A-N-S, com, And you sign up. You just give me your email address and I'll send you a few emails. But if you sign up for that, you get a one-hour video of me breaking down how I made my first million. And in that video, there's a section where I separate what it means to generate a million dollars versus being a millionaire. And how different ways you can um, uh, define what a millionaire is. So very basic, you know, as you know, you can be a cash millionaire. You can be liquid. You can have a million dollars in the bank. You can have generated a million dollars, but that for your company, that doesn't make you a millionaire. Because think about all the expenses you have, the overhead, how you got, you know, the profit margins of what, what went into making that million. You can have a million dollars in assets. In fact, that's what makes you an accredited investor in the United States is if you have a million dollars in assets without your main home being part of that. So there's assets, there's liquidity, there's generating millions. And so I break down in that video when you sort of become the millionaire. So my book is Your First Million because what I'm trying to do is teach people how the, the steps and the ways to create revenue, to give yourself the opportunity to own assets that equal a million or more so that you can become a millionaire. If I, I believe I mean, this is true. So if I had generated a million dollars, which I did, which is huge, by the way, everybody, if you generate a million dollars, that's amazing. Any, any company would want to hire you because you can generate a million dollars. That's why I want to teach this. But if I generated a million dollars and then that's all I did, I would not be a millionaire. I'm a millionaire because of the ability to every single year generate millions of dollars in different ways. And the assets that I own. And the investments that I have. So I break that down in the book. And I break it down in the video, arlindsfirstmillion.com.
1: I know you're not going to give all the goodies away (laughs) in the interview, but I would just like maybe one tactical, because I agree with you. I think the biggest problem for maybe entrepreneurs and business owners, even people who work nine to fives that have a decent income or just an income, and there's a little bit left over is this thing of turning that cash flow into personal wealth right? So like you said, you can have a business that's doing very well, but it doesn't translate into your personal balance sheet. And I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs or just people in general need to learn. So for you, what is a tip or what's a practical tip for someone right now who is generating cash flow, who brings in money into their household or through a business that they can start to translate it into real wealth, that they don't have to stay on that cycle of earning a million or a lot of money each year. They can eventually walk back off that hamster wheel.
0: Well, I don't necessarily think you need to walk backwards. Um, I think one way of thinking about it is, is your company sort of, and this is like, no matter what the answer is, but is is your company something that is an asset already? Meaning, do you generate revenue that isn't necessarily tied to you as a person? So some people are brands, right? And so like, they'll do like speaking gigs and all that is amazing. And if you want to keep that going, that's really great. lucrative speaking gigs or things of that nature. But do you have a company that can run without you? And is it recurring revenue or at least repeatable revenue? Is there a company there or is it sort of just like an extension of you? And the reason you want to think about it that way is because you might be able to exit that company, sell that company. I mean, exits can be a many many ways. You can go public, which is rare for us at, who, who are not building, you know, billion dollar companies. Or you can you can simply sell it, which happens all day long. So if you can if you are generating a million dollars in top line revenue every year in a certain type of company, that could be a three million dollar company. That could be a ten million dollar company, you know, exit. Or you could have a path for five over the next five years to build that to five million or 10 million in revenue. And it could be a $50 million company or $25 million company or $100 million company. I think things get really interesting, especially if you don't take outside funding, which is another thing I talk about in the book. Even though I'm a venture capitalist, I'm a big proponent of people holding on to as much ownership as they can for as long as they can at the right price. So things get very, very interesting. This is how people are wealthy. When you look at the Forbes list or you look at all these lists, of course, there's a lot of people on that list who inherited. And that's what we what we're face, we're faced up against. But a lot of people there own assets and sell those assets and trade those assets, right? So if you have a company, or if you can kind of turn your company into this, where it has recurring revenue, that's why SaaS companies are so attractive. Uh, software as a service. It's recurring revenue, paid monthly or a yearly contract, and you—it's growing. And if you stepped away from it for a month, you have a team. It could be a small team, but you have a team in place that could run it without your face or your name having to be all over it. That type of company is the type of company if you wanted to at some point could be sold, and in the meantime it's this asset that's hopefully growing in, in valuation and in value. I'll give you a great example. Like I have an audience and I do a lot of things that are just based on kind of me. Like, let me come speak for you or I'll partner with a a corporation. We'll do something kind of, I'll, I'll record something for them. Like I did with meta last year. That is not necessarily something that can be sold. But I did create HireRunner.co. And what I made sure of, the first uh, 100 customers were because of my enterprise, uh, enterprise sorry, entrepreneur customers, were because of my network. But then I looked at that and I said, that can't be the only part of the flywheel if it's what I want it to be. Like you can make do whatever you want, it's your company. But I wanted this to be something that stood on its own. So I actually have other people running runner. Now, so that, yes, I can help bring in customers and bring in great runners as a recruiting platform, but it's not just all, like if I walked away from it, it wouldn't crumble because I want to one day sell it. And I did take on some investment, including retail investors, including, you know, uh, people who are not wealthy, and I want them to do well from it. So I want to sell it for eight figures or at least, and that's how I set it up. So that tells you like, when I first started it, I wasn't thinking about that. I was just sort of like, I want this, I want this solution to be in the world. I want people to be able to hire people fractionally if they need them at a rate that they can afford. And I want great people to have access to other great people. But then I started thinking through it and I said, okay, I do want it to be something that gets sold
1: or has an exit. When you were saying that, I was thinking about, you know, even myself as an entrepreneur who I know that what's happening now and why my, whether it's my book or my brand gets buzzed is because of me, right? I I am on the face of my cover artwork, on my book. People like to see my face, but then thinking about, and so many other entrepreneurs in the space know that it's about personality and having a face to a brand, but also realizing that I, I don't always want to be at the forefront. And so it's not easier, but you definitely get more leads by putting yourself out there more. And it becomes when do you begin to step away and separate yourself, right? Because that might be a little harder to do. You got to find the right people, the right support, maybe you get other people who can step to the front and be the faces. So it's not just centered around you. But to me, that takes like a lot more time and investment. And, you know, I haven't started doing that yet, but I would love to hear from your point of view is when should someone start to Go the harder route because the harder route is, is actually going to pay off at the end because then you don't have to be there as much.
0: It really all depends on what you want, like what your goals are. Like for you right now, you notice that I said that I still do my thing. I still speak. I still partner with corporations. I still do the things. I like launched your first million live. I didn't like take away from that. I just have an offshoot. I have several assets, whether they're public right now or they're in stealth. Stealth meaning that they're hidden and, and I'm working on them behind the scenes where I'm not the bottleneck. I'm not the person that's going to stop it from growth. So I think like branding, I talk about all the time, like branding. The reason that I'm able to do those things is because of self-branding is because I'm, I'm out there in the center. So I think of it like um, you're sort of the arrowhead. People come to see, hear you speak and you know your story and they care about you. Think about Oprah. It's about Oprah. But Oprah has all this stuff in the background that she has ownership in. It's about I, owning IP as well. It doesn't have to always be some SaaS product or some tech product. It could be that you you decide, hey, I'm going to have a, a media platform that meaning not the tech behind it, but meaning uh, I am going to put some other people on. You know, maybe there are three or four people I'm going to put on, but I'm going to own this part of it. I also work, I have like television shows and movies that I own majority of the IP. And that's like a long game. So that you may not see that for a few years. Like I'll give you a better, a a good example too. People are always saying that I should be on Shark Tank. And I agree. (laughs) Like I would love to be on Shark Tank. I know most of the sharks. I work with Mark Cuban directly. We have a six million dollar joint venture together. But I know, after spending some time in 2019 talking to ABC and talking to that group, I know that I'm more most likely not going to be on Shark Tank. It, there's a there's a whole story there, but it's all good. When I realized that, I I could have said, okay, I'm not going to be on Shark Tank. Maybe I can go and audition for this other thing because people send me stuff all the time. Be a judge on this. Do this. But it's all this stuff that I didn't help create. And I don't know kind of exactly where it's going to go. So I decided in 2019, I'm going to create my own IP. So I have IP for shows that could be streaming, that could be on major networks that could be something that I produce. It could be YouTube. It can be all kinds of stuff, but I own it. And it's a very specific way of getting entrepreneurs seen. And it's a very specific travel show. And it's a very specific this, that, and the other. So that, that I, not only can I host that if I want to, I can try to sell it or I can produce it. And then it's a full product and I can sell it like that. But I can also go to different countries and territories and have somebody else host it, but it's, it's my IP. So I made this decision in 2019 that, that as much as possible can happen hundred percent of the time, but as much as possible, anything that I'm kind of the, the quote unquote talent on, I'm going to own at least 51% of. And so that again, it's like a long game, but when you think about building wealth that's how you do it. I have movies that have nothing to do with entrepreneurship that I have created or co-created. I have a podcast series. that's a, that's a really cool podcast series, uh, a fictional called The Valley that I co-created and that I'm an executive producer on, but it's it was my idea. And then, you know, I have nothing to do with the, the process of it. It's so good that I listen to it uh, as a fan, but if it gets spun out, it's already been picked up by Realm which does the orphan black podcast. And if it gets spun out and picked up, the IP gets picked up by well, let's turn it into a TV show or let's turn it into an um, audible original. I will get a chunk of change for that. And you just kind of think through like the, the spinoffs and the things and the things that can happen from your IP. So it's just like creating IP. It's about making certain decisions that are long-term that may not pay off for years And then
1: you can do your thing, continue to attract your audience and continue to serve your audience. And what I'm also hearing too, is that you most likely are partnering with people that can help you bring these ideas to light. So can we talk, you know, I know we have a limited amount of time, but I do want to just address the, this idea that you can't necessarily do it alone. Like you as a person have amazing ideas and abilities, but in order to bring that into the world, you need people. And in order to do that, yes, you need contracts in place, but you also need trust. So for me, just selfishly, like I've been approached and I've been working with on some things behind the scenes too. And I realized that it's no fault of the people that I'm working with, but just my, maybe it's my upbringing, knows <laughs> it's my culture or just me as my personality. I'm like, can I trust this person, you know? And I realized that might be holding me back in a lot of areas because, okay, as long as there's a contract in place, like you have to try, right? Because you cannot bring these ideas or do all the things by yourself. So you do need partners. So how would you address, maybe this is a mindset block of trusting people and not being being afraid that, oh, this person is like kind of, even if they have the best intentions, what if it doesn't go well? And now there's I'm in the worst case scenario.
0: I uh, This is very timely because I was pretty burned in the last 18 months from people that I really cared about. And not all of them, but just a few people, a handful of people. And for like 18 months, I was was like 12, 12, 18 months, I was like shut off. I was like, I'm not going to work with people. I'm going to do this all on my own. And then my wife actually said to me, she's like, you're just going to be shut off for the rest of your life? That's what you're going to do? You're just not going to trust anybody? That's cool, you know? And so to me, the way I look at it, to be honest with you right now, is like I believe that everybody has the dis- I believe that everybody has the potential to dis- to disappoint you and to do you wrong. And because I know that it's actually a freedom. And it's like, you know, if they end up doing me wrong, that's that's a bigger problem for them. You know what I mean? Like, let me go ahead and enjoy the people. Like who I think it was Lala. Very recently, Lala put out a video where she was like, we always think about the people who didn't show up to the party. But we don't care about the people who did show up. We don't celebrate them. Then we're always like, oh man, I can't believe Steve didn't come to the party. Instead of like the nineteen people that did show up for you. So it's like, while we're there, while we're working with people, while we have this time on this earth, yes, be trusting. You know, obviously have a critical eye to things. Don't get don't be walked over. But if if it does, if something doesn't work out, You can feel that pain from it, but also just know that like you're you're the good person. You're the nice person who thought it could work out. Right. If somebody does you wrong, it's kind of like on them. They did you wrong. But that shouldn't shut you off from all the joy that could be there.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Arlen, that was a way to end it. Thank you so much. Please let everyone know where they can find out more about you and get your book.
0: Yes. So if you go to yourfirstmillion.live, you can pre-order the book. You can see about my event. Uh, again, if you go to arlensfirstmillion.com, you can see that video about how I made my first million. It can give you a lot of ideas about what you could do. And see me on
1: Instagram at here. Awesome. Thank you so much, Arlen. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. I really hope you enjoyed that interview with Arlen. I thought that actually not only is it perfect timing, her book is coming out this week, but the topic, what we talked about mostly, was about mindset and the internal things we need to overcome or work on in order to reach the external things we want. So money, financial freedom, all those things. I do address that in my book, Your Journey to Financial Freedom, and you can get that at yourjourneytofinancialfreedom.com. And I talk about the importance of mindset and habit. So I think it's really great to have that episode with Arlen play right now as we enter into 2024. And honestly, no matter when you listen to this, this will be relevant. But that the wealth that we want to create externally, we have to feel we deserve it. We have to know we deserve it. And a lot of that is going to take internal work. And I know we want to oftentimes get to the doing and the having. But first, I believe we need to be. We need to be who we say we want to be, the person we want to have, the things we want. We need to be and embody that first and on the path so that we don't have to wait until someone else validates us or until there's an external circumstance that tells us we're good enough. I know that's hard. (laughs) I know you want to see the proof right away. I mean, I'm like that too. But what I've found on this journey, even specifically with the book, Journey that I've been on, and I need to do like a whole nother interview just about really going in. I know I've done a couple episodes about the book, but now that the launch, I mean, this book that I wrote, Your Journey to Financial Freedom, this is a marathon for me in terms of my commitment to getting this book into the world. So it wasn't just about making sure it did well the first week. I mean, obviously, I wanted it to do well and sell well the first week that it was out, but I want this book to be read by people and to be implemented. And so that means I have to still promote this long-term. So well after the hype maybe dies down around the first week being being out, it's like, no, 2024, we're talking about this book because I truly do believe it's going to be helpful for people. And I was thinking about now as we go into a whole new year, what I want my year to look like. I'm a planner. You know, I do plan things, but I'm like a loose planner, meaning I plan, but I allow for surprises. I plan and I know what I like or what I want, but I'm not too particular about how I get there. So with this new year coming, I'm asking myself, what do I want it to look like? And so I wrote down some questions that I think might be helpful to you also who are listening right now. That I hope will you and hopefully will help me if I can answer them, take some time to sit down because I have a good life. I've had good years. Ultimately, there's nothing that I want to change. Of course, things can always be a little bit better. There could always be more money, but there, there also could be more ease. And am I really truly living life the way I want or am I being kind of pulled still in different directions? Because of the path I'm on now that I'm an entrepreneur, now that I have this book in the world, I'm getting more requests and there's more obligations. And so I'm on that path. And these questions I came up with to ask myself, and then you can ask yourself whether you are just thinking about your career, your financial journey, or your life. Okay, here are the questions. How can this be easier? How can this be easier for you? How can you make it easier for you? Are you an overthinker? (laughs) Uh, Do you make things more complicated than they need to be? Now, some people actually like things complicated. It actually fuels them. It gives them excitement. (laughs) Me, I like things to be easy. And so how can this be easy? How can my business be easier? How can the way I think about finances be easier? Not because what people think it should be or think it should look like, but what will make things easier for me? So that's the question I'm asking myself and then I'm asking you to ask yourself. So one How could this be easier for you? What do you need to do to make it easier? What do you need to let go? What do you maybe need to invest in to make it easier? Second question, how can I lean more into joy? Now, we can think about joy in different ways. I always like to think about the joy that costs nothing, the little joys of our life the moments, the small things that make us happy, whether it's connecting with a friend or laughing with a friend, sending a text. It could be your favorite candy or your favorite treat. Just what can you implement in your day-to-day life that costs nothing or you know a little bit of money, not much, that gives you joy, that you can look forward to on a daily basis. For me, sometimes that looks like, okay, I'm excited when I know I have I can meet up with a friend that I enjoy spending time with or thinking about coffee that I enjoy drinking in the morning if I can get up on time before the kids get up or taking a walk. So my favorite thing to do after I run is to walk outside and be in nature. I look forward to that. So that, that's joy. How can I lean more into joy that costs nothing or is not as expensive as other things that I might desire? And then the other question is, some things may cost money or you may need to invest in that do bring you joy. And what does that look like? How can you implement that in your life? So if that means, wow, I haven't been able to take the vacations I like, or I want this thing, how can you implement that joy or plan for it over time where it's not a setback? So that's the second question. How can you lean more into joy? The low cost things you can do immediately on a day-to-day basis, and then the things that may take some time or maybe just bigger purchases or expenses you need to do. Third question, what do I want to do more of? And then the opposite side of it is, what do I want to do less of? This for me is an important question I need to answer. And especially in my business. And you know, I, I think in, overall in my life, I'm kind of like that. I only do things I really wanna do <laughs> when it comes to family, friends, And even just household things, right? Like, you know, if I don't want to pick up, there might be a little pile that my husband is annoyed at (laughs) in my corner of the room. But if I don't feel like picking it up, I don't pick it up. But nonetheless, right? I am talking more about for me in my business, what do I want to do more? What do I want to do less of? And same thing can be said if you ask yourself, whether it's in your job or finances or just life or business. And what does that look like? What does it look like to step back and do less of that thing that you think you need to do, but you actually don't need to do because you're overthinking and you're making it bigger than it needs to be? Or what do you want to do more of? What are the things that you want to do more of in your life this year? And how can you actually implement that? How can you cut back or indulge a bit more in the things you want to do? The other question I'd like you to ask yourself as we are entering into a new year, and of course, if you listen to this some other time, these questions are still valid. What if I stopped doing this thing? Will things be okay? That kind of lends itself to the previous question because sometimes we're afraid to do the things we wanna do because we're like, wait, what if something breaks? What if things go crazy? And, but like, what if if you stop doing that thing? Will things be okay? And more than likely, things will be okay. (laughs) There are times where I'm like, oh, I need to do this thing. And then it's like, no, you don't. Like no one even missed that that didn't happen. You're the only one overthinking that thing. It's okay, you know, to think or to really think through that if you stop doing that thing, you don't want to do anyway. People will adapt and the world will adapt for you to say no. And then the last question I have here is, What's the best that can happen if you go for it? Not what's the worst that can happen. So not doomsday, if I go this route, what are all the bad things? And sometimes I know for myself, I tend to think like that where, and I'll give you an example, uh, like the book, Your Journey to Financial Freedom, my book that just came out. And it's funny because I actually don't know the end of this story yet, but you'll probably know it by the time this episode comes out because I'm recording this a couple days before Christmas, but this does not come out until the week of New Year's. And I was contacted by the Daily Mail to do an interview. And so I was thinking, wow, should I do this interview? Because, you know, the Daily Mail is like cool and all. It's very popular, very popular news site, dailymail.com, but it's also very polarizing. And they sometimes have some clickbaity articles and just headlines where I'm just like, "Ugh." and so I'm like, This person who reached out to me, they want to interview me. Should I even respond? Because, you know, while my story is getting more out there, so even with being on the cover of my book, that was one of the reasons why I was hesitant. It's like, wow, my face is going to be more out there. People are going to really know who I am if this takes off the way I want it to take off. But do I want that? Because I don't really want people to know who I am. (laughs) Like, I like my life, not that I'm going to become super famous. But I don't want to be well-known outside of maybe the small circles or people that already know me. I don't want to be like Oprah level, no, or Beyonce level in terms of being recognized. I want to be able to live my life. I'm a regular girl. That's what I want. So anyway, with the Daily Mail reaching out, I'm like, oh, I don't know, like because what if I get like a lot of just negativity and hate and more people find you? Because when I'm talking to you on this podcast, I'm like, I'm talking to friends talking to journeyers, you know, even with the book, before the book, just the podcast, I felt like people who liked the content stayed and liked the content. And if you didn't like the content, you didn't like me, you just moved right along. But I do feel like with the book coming out and me being on so many podcasts, I did like a whole podcast tour, which introduced me to more people, which was great. But then now being on platforms where I had stopped doing outside interviews for a bit, because I was just focused on writing the book and just in my own little world. And now that I have something to promote, I'm like, all right, I'll say yes to the interviews or let's do it. And so with the Daily Mail, my concern was, what if I get like a lot of hate or people who try now to seek me out that are not my people, that are not journeyers, who are intent on misunderstanding me. And then I'm just like, why is, you know, I'm out there like feeling vulnerable because it is very vulnerable to put your work into the world, to put your story into the world. And then, you know, you don't know the the other person reading it or their intentions. And so I started to think, like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do it. I'm not going to respond. But I was like, you know, in your life, things have happened usually well for you. And nothing too bad has happened to you. You know, no one's going to do anything crazy. And even so, like, if you get a couple hate comments or people being negative, who cares? I really don't focus on that. but. I was like, what if there's that one person who does read it that changes their life or picks up your book and that sets off a domino effect in their life? Or, you know, I always think even with like audience and growing your brand that you don't need a million people to follow you to pop like or to make an impact. So there's like that impact of one to one. You want to change someone's life with whatever you're doing. And that obviously is the goal for the book and the podcast. But also, you know, when we're talking about maybe uh, getting more publicity or going like my goal is like, I want Oprah to pick up the book and read it or at least be a supporter. (laughs) Right. Like once she picks up a book, it's like straight sales through the roof. And I'm like, well, you know, obviously that might just have to come years from now, word of mouth, or it is like the right person reading the right article that can make that happen, right? Not just Oprah, but just opportunities because the Daily Mail person found me through the Business Insider article that was written about me. And so they reached out and said, hey, I saw you on Business Insider. Are you interested? So I'm like, instead of thinking about the worst that can happen, what is the best that can happen in this situation? The best that can happen is I impact more people or more people are interested because they read this article. And yes, even if they are like, 50 or hundred or a thousand people who are just like, who is this girl? Like, whatever. There might be five that say, hmm, this seems interesting. Let me let me see more. Or what if it's someone on, you know, Oprah's team <laughs> or some other, you know, somewhere that could also be a stepping stone to some, something else, reach this and re- reaches out. What is the best that can happen? Not the worst. What's the best? And so I did do the interview. Again, I don't know how it's going to turn out because I'm recording this before the interview is released. And I actually was reached out again to do something else with them. So we'll see how that all unfolds. So maybe follow me on social media at Journey to Launch and at Jamila Soufrant, because I'm pretty sure I'll just share there in real time and my newsletter. So make sure you're on my newsletter to see how that unfolds. But it's, it's, it's kind of like to share this before I know the outcome is me stepping into My faith in a way that I'm sharing this with you before I know the outcome, because I believe that the outcome, no matter what it is, will be in favor for whatever it is I'm supposed to do in this world. So whether that is a lesson or whether it is a stepping stone and victory, we will see. But what is the best that can happen? Not the worst, but what if this all goes well? Not what if it goes wrong, but what if it goes well and I've been having those thoughts, right? Because sometimes my, again, my response to things, which I, I swear I need to do a whole new episode about this <laughs> because I do really feel like it impacts our money and life journeys is just like our little traumas or big traumas that we have, trust issues, being very wary of people and intentions and kind of, you know, all these things that make us who we are that sometimes fuel us and make us great in certain areas also can hold us back. And so I've been realizing that the times that I've just put myself out there and, and I, and, and in, the, in the interview with Arlen, I brought this up. So if you've been listening, even watching, because I'm recording this video also for the YouTube channel, then we did talk about this. I, now that I'm thinking about it, I did mention this with Arlen about trusting, how do you get over yourself and maybe your own hangups to look at opportunities so you're not closing yourself off. Last question again is what's the best that can happen if things go well for you? And if you're not scared, and even if you are fearful, it's okay to be fearful. I Trust me, <laughs> I am fearful of a, a bunch of things, but what does it look like if you dare to try? So I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope that you are going to have a prosperous new year. Or year, or whatever you're going through right now, wherever you listen to this episode or watch it, if you're watching YouTube, again, my new book—I'm gonna keep saying new because it feels new—is <laughs> out. Your journey to financial freedom. You can pick it up wherever books are sold, and go to yourjourneytofinancialfreedom.com to get more information, to make sure you're on my list, and tell a friend to tell a friend. I'm telling you, when I started journey to launch the podcast. I remember saying that all the time, like, listen, if you like the podcast, share with a friend, you know, click the share more wherever you're listening and copy that link. Put it in a text message, put it in an email, share it on your social media. And that's what I feel like has grown the podcast over time. It's word of mouth. And I do believe, like, hopefully it will grow the book over time. And so share the book. If you picked it up, thank you thank you. If you haven't yet, what are you waiting for? Like new year, new you, come on, get your finances in order and share this content with someone you care about and that you want to be on the journey with you. All right. That's all I have until next time. Journeyers keep on journeying. Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. And the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here. Here are four ways that you can support me in the show. One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there. Three, support and check out the sponsors of this show. If you hear something that interests you, sponsors are the main ways we keep the podcast lights on here. So show them some love for supporting your girl. Four, And last but not least, share this episode, this podcast with a friend or family member or coworker so that we can spread the message of Journey to Launch. All right, that's it. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers.